Uh, it'd be a great idea to keep your Bible open to Colossians chapter 4. That's where we'll be spending most of our time this morning. Now, this morning is our last instalment in our series on the course of your life. And if you've been here uh, for most of this term, you'll know we've thought about some, some big ideas, uh, some brain-stretching ideas at times, perhaps none more so than a few weeks ago when we thought about the idea of being united with Christ, that Christ died as both our replacement and our representative, and so what is true of him is also true of us. And in comparison to that, what we're going to be thinking about this morning in a lot of ways, it's not really rocket science. In a lot of ways, what we're thinking about this morning is obvious. And yet it is really important. And so it's worth spending some time thinking about. What we're thinking about this morning is how God's agenda is being advanced in the world. What we're thinking about this morning is the method by which Christ is glorified. Last week we saw that for those of us who are in Christ, we pray for one another and we speak God's word to one another in love so as to help each other to be transformed, to be more like Christ. This week we're going to shift focus slightly to think about how those of us who are in Christ can be involved in God's work of transferring people out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. And right up front, we need to remember the obvious. That is God's work. Transferring people out of darkness and into the kingdom of his son is God's work. And yet, wonderfully, ordinary people like us get to be involved in it. God's method for achieving that work is that God's people prayerfully proclaim God's message to the people around them. And so the encouragement and the challenge for us as we seek to be involved in God's work and as we seek to share this wonderful new course for our lives, the encouragement and the challenge for us this morning is that we ought to be praying and we ought to be proclaiming God's word to the people around us. Now, if just the thought of that terrifies you, or maybe if you've never done it before in your life, or maybe if you're sitting there and you're just thinking, I wouldn't have the foggiest idea where to start. Then you need to listen to this morning's passage. Because it is here to give us confidence. What we'll see this morning is that Paul is telling the Colossians to do three things. To pray and to proclaim to other people. So let's start by, together by having a look at the first thing that Paul tells the Colossians to do. And that is to pray. We're in Colossians 4, and we'll pick it up from verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. The first thing Paul calls on the Colossians to do is to pray, to devote themselves to prayer, and especially he wants them to pray for him and for Timothy as they travel around the world spreading the good news about Jesus. But did you notice what he asks them to pray specifically? Pray that God may open a door for our message. You see, as far as Paul's concerned, this is God's work. 
God's the one who opens doors. God is the one who provides opportunities. And so the first thing we do is we pray. You know, so often our sin, it makes us doubt God. It makes us doubt that God can even work. You know, you have half a dozen conversations with your friend about Jesus, and I'm sure you've experienced this. Nothing changes. Nothing seems to happen. And you doubt God. You doubt that God's even working there. Perhaps you stopped at just one conversation. Maybe you've never even talked to your friend about Jesus because you just think, this person's never going to change. God can't work in this person to change their heart. In our sin, it makes us doubt God. It makes us doubt that God can even work. And, you know, we, we start thinking things like, well, maybe I've just got to do something different. Maybe if I just come up with the perfect way of presenting this, then something will happen. Friends, that is crazy. This is God's work. You know, we can speak and teach and proclaim and present God's word as much as we like. But unless God opens a door, unless God brings change, we may as well be speaking to a nice flower decoration. We may as well be speaking to the empty chairs in the front row. Even the, the Apostle Paul, right, one of the greatest evangelists that's ever lived, he said this. He said, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God made it grow. God made it grow. Imagine you're sitting here this morning and you need a heart bypass. You know, you've been on the waiting list for weeks and weeks, perhaps months, even years. And finally your turn comes around. It's your turn for your heart bypass. You're going to get a new heart. And on the morning of the operation, as you're lying there on your bed getting ready, getting prepped for the surgery... The guy who's going to be performing the operation, he comes over just to check on you and see how you're going, make sure everything's okay. And as you lie there, you look up at him and you recognise him. It's the guy who fixed your lawnmower the other day. He's still got a bit of grass on his shoulder and grease stains on his hands. Look, I don't know about you, but if that happened to me, I'd be up off that bed, I'd be out of there. Friends, a lawnmower mechanic can't give you a heart bypass. Only a cardiac surgeon can do that. Friends, you and I can't change people's hearts spiritually. Only God can do that. And the wonderfully liberating thing about this is we don't have to pretend that we can. This is God's work. And so we pray. Transferring people out of darkness and into Jesus' kingdom, it is God's work. And you know, as ordinary people like us, as we pray, we express our dependence on God and we express our trust in his work and we ask him to open a door and we ask him to graciously change people's hearts. And friends, that's why the first thing that we do is we pray. But as we do that, we need to keep in mind that God's method of transferring people out of darkness and into the kingdom of his son, it involves words being spoken. God's people prayerfully proclaim God's message 
to the people around them. And so, friends, as we pray for God to be at work, we also need to be prepared to proclaim his message, which is exactly what Paul goes on to say to the Colossians. The whole purpose of praying, Paul says, is for God to open a door so that God's word can be proclaimed. Let's pick it up again from Colossians 4, verse 2 again. Devote yourselves to prayer, Paul says, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Why? So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Paul's whole purpose for asking the Colossians to pray is so that there might be an opportunity to proclaim the mystery of Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but how confident must he be in that message? He's standing there asking an entire church family to pray. To pray there'll be an opportunity to pass on that message. How confident must he be in that message? And look, I don't know about you, but I find Paul's confidence here confronting. Because so often I just don't have that kind of confidence in the gospel. Several years ago, back when I used to work at the abattoir here in town, I finally, got, I finally got one of my friends to come along to an evangelistic event here at church. And, you know, we heard a talk, and on the way home, I wanted to talk to him about what we'd heard. I wanted to talk to him about Jesus and why I trusted him, but I just didn't have confidence in the message. I just didn't have confidence in what I was going to say to him. There's been other times when I've wanted to talk to another one of my friends, a guy who's really well educated. He's a smart guy. His arguments often confuse me. And in the face of that, I just felt like the gospel message about this guy dying on a cross. It just seemed so weak and foolish, like it wasn't going to convince anyone. But you know what, friends? That's a problem with me not with the message. We can and we ought to have absolute confidence in the gospel message because it is God's message and it is a powerful message. In fact, so powerful is the message that the Apostle Paul talks about it like this. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It is the power of God to save everyone who believes. Friends, God's message, the gospel message, it is powerful. It's the power of God to save everyone who believes. And so, friends, when we feel sin you know, pulling us down, like gravity constantly weighing on us and tugging us down, making us doubt this crazy message, about a guy crucified on a cross. We need to remember, this is not our message, this is God's message. And it is a powerful message. It is the power of God to save everyone who believes. Now friends, I hope you can feel this building up here, right? As God's powerful message is proclaimed... God himself works to transfer people out of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. That's God's work. And yet wonderfully, remember, we get to be involved in it. 
God works as God's people prayerfully proclaim his message to other people. And in the end, God's message involves words being spoken from one person to another. So have a look with me again at Colossians 4. We'll pick it up from verse 3. Paul says to them, Pray that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, did you see it there, friends? God uses people to proclaim his message. Paul says, pray that we may proclaim it. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Let your conversations be always full of grace. God uses people to proclaim his message. And he uses them to proclaim it to other people. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So you may know how to answer everyone. God uses people to proclaim his message to other people. Friends, this is obvious, right? But it's also really important. This is not just here in Colossians. This idea, it's all through the New Testament. The risen Lord Jesus said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, ordinary people speaking my word to other ordinary people. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, he said this, I am convinced, brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. People speaking God's words to other people. And this is perhaps my favourite one in 2 Timothy this wonderful example of God's people passing on God's message to their families. Paul says to Timothy, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Friends, can you see? God uses people to speak his message to other people. But what people? Who does God use? Well, friends, make no mistake. God uses people like you. People like me. Ordinary, weak, sinful, inadequate people like you and me. And that is the wonderful thing about this. It's God's work, transferring people out of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. He does it through the powerful message of the gospel, but he uses ordinary people like us to speak that message to other ordinary people. The Apostle Paul talked about this task of speaking God's word to other people like this. He, has, he said, we have this treasure, the gospel message. We have this treasure in jars of clay. 
ordinary things like us. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Friends, as ordinary people like us, speak God's extraordinary message to other ordinary people. God works in extraordinary ways to transfer people out of darkness and into the kingdom of his Son. Because that's how God works. That's his method of advancing his agenda in the world. That's his method of bringing glory to his Son, Jesus. God's people prayerfully proclaim God's message to the people around them. Now, what are the implications of all this for the course of our lives? Well, there are at least two. Friends, firstly, we need to realise that there is really only one kind of follower of Jesus. There's only one kind of follower of Christ. You see, friends, a true follower of Christ doesn't simply follow, but always helps others to follow too. A true follower of Christ doesn't simply follow, but always helps others to follow too. And so, friends, there's no sitting on the bench here. There's no watching from the sidelines as all the action happens. Now, look, it's absolutely true. We've all got different gifts and abilities and some of us are better at things than others and there's absolutely people out there who are better at this than us. But none of us is excluded from this. None of us is accepted. As followers of Christ, we are in Christ, remember? And so Christ's priorities are our priorities. Christ is all on about making followers. And so we're all on about making followers. Now you might be sitting there thinking, look, I am just not that person. I'm 93 years old. I've never told the gospel to anyone in my life. It's it's not going to change now. I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, perhaps this week you should pray. Pray that God would open a door. Some of you might know Kelvin Hampstead. He's part of our DPC church family. He's part of, he comes along to evening church. And in all honesty, and he wouldn't mind me saying this, Kelvin is just an ordinary guy. There's nothing special about him. An ordinary guy who for 45 years prayed that God would change his brother's heart. And finally, after 45 years, at the age of 60, Kelvin's brother put his trust in Christ. God rescued him out of darkness and brought him into the kingdom of his son. And look, if you ask Kelvin about it, he'll say he had almost given up. He'll tell you. It was all of God. It was through the wonderful mercy of God. Friends, as followers of Christ, we don't simply follow. We always help others to follow too. If you were here a few weeks ago, you might remember we thought about this French yachtsman who was stranded in a lifeboat in the ocean And he was saved, rescued into the luxury of the cruise ship, the Orion. 
Friends, now that he was safely in the Orion, surely, surely if he heard a report of another yachtsman stranded in a lifeboat in the ocean, surely he would do everything in his power to bring that guy on board the Orion too. How much more should that be true of us? Rescued out of darkness, brought into the absolute luxury of being in Christ. Friends, as followers of Christ, as those who are in Christ, we don't simply follow ourselves, but we help others to follow too. Which, of course, leads to the second implication of all this for the course of our lives. The next step is a person. We need to avoid the temptation of thinking that the next thing God wants us to do involves some kind of grand plan. Like the only way I'm going to be able to do anything for the kingdom is to sign up for some program at church or run some kind of, you know, U-Butte bells and whistles evangelistic event where everyone's going to come along. Those things might be good. But friends, in all honesty, the next step is a person. A person who you, as an ordinary person, are going to speak God's word to. And so the the question is, which person? Who's it going to be for you? Look, I don't know, and maybe you don't know either. So pray. Ask God to open a door this week. Please, God. Give me someone to speak to this week. And then be on the lookout at the doctor's surgery, in the supermarket, at cricket, at work, at school. It might be tomorrow. It might be a week, a month, a year. But pray and be on the lookout. And as an ordinary person, be prepared to speak God's word in some way to another ordinary person. And be prepared to watch God do amazing things. Lynn Whalen, she's another part of our DPC church family. She comes along to morning church most weeks. And again, there's nothing particularly out of the ordinary about Lynn. About this time, sometime around Easter last year, she says uh, Lynn was at the hairdressers. And as you do, she was having a chat and Lynn decided to ask her hairdresser, what do you think about Jesus? Now, friends, nothing amazing happened that day. They had a brief chat about Jesus and then the haircut was finished and Lynn went home. Just an ordinary person speaking God's word in some way to another ordinary person. And often that's how it'll be. Nothing will happen. But friends, that is not up to us. Only God can change people's hearts. We're just ordinary people speaking an extraordinary message to other ordinary people. More recently, Lynn was at work with one of her colleagues in an outreach clinic and as they were waiting for some clients to come, it was a quiet time, a bit of a lull, and her her colleague knew that Lynn was part of our church family here and so she asked her, What does your church believe? And Lynn was prepared to speak God's word to her 
And she was able to explain to her, we believe that Jesus is the Lord. That it's only by trusting in his death and resurrection that we're made right with God. That same day, right, another one of her colleagues who was going through some tough times in her life, was wondering what's the point of it all, asked Lynn, what does she believe? And again, she was prepared to speak God's word in some way to another person. And friends, that's how it happens. One person at a time, as God's people are prepared to prayerfully speak God's word to another person. Friends, it's obvious, isn't it? As God's word is prayerfully spoken by one person to another, God himself works to transfer people out of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. What a wonderful, wonderful, exciting privilege we've got. Let's not take it for granted. Let's pray. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your powerful message, the message of the gospel, that on the cross your son Jesus defeated the power of sin and death and the devil and that for your people he took away their sin, nailing it to the cross, that we might be forgiven that we might be right in your sight. And Father, we thank you that we have that treasure, that message in jars of clay. Father, we thank you for the wonderful comfort that it's you who changes people's hearts. It's you who opens doors and provides opportunities. And so, Father, we want to be people who pray. Father, we want to be people who speak your powerful word. And we pray, Father, as ordinary people like us, as inadequate people like us, speak your word in some way to the people around us. Father, please use our, our fumbling efforts to do wonderful, amazing, powerful things for your kingdom, for the glory of your Son. And Father, it's scary, but we do pray. Please, Father, give us opportunities this week to speak your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.